This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Another week, another episode. This week, uh, talking with Alex, um, my good buddy. Been on the episode, been on the podcast a couple times. Man, all the way back to episode 30-something, he came on here. Um, he is working with Rec Broadheads this year. Got some exciting news about Rec um, to share with you guys. But for that, we get to get into the show a little bit and let you guys know what's coming down the pipe. Um, we talk with Alex about his 2023 season in Iowa, a story of success, um, heartbreak, um, coming down the last day, um, crazy ending, um, just a really, really cool story, giant bucks. Um, and uh, Alex was able to have an incredible Iowa season that it'd be hard to top uh, this story um, for the rest of his life in Iowa, I bet. But he, he might be able to do it. Guy is a big buck slayer. Um, but uh, before we get into the show, get into the people that make this possible, we're going to start off with Rec Broadheads. Um, talking with Rec, wanted to do something good for you guys to really show my support for you guys this year. And I'm going to be able to offer you guys 17% off any broadheads through Rec this year. Um, that's some pretty substantial savings for broadheads. Broadheads are getting cashy these days. Um, and that's on all their broadheads. The new mechanical they just came out with, the fixed blades, the the old, uh, the, not the old, but the old uh, mechanical that I still love, that I plan on shooting this year, um, the XP. And uh, it'll be good for all the heads. And uh, another thing that they're going to add is if you would like, you're going to be able to get WLP custom engraved on your heads um, to show support to the show. 
Um, and there's going to be a pretty badass giveaway at the end of the year associated with that. Um, if you do kill a buck with those or a doe with those broadheads, send us a picture. Um, it's going to be a pretty cool thing to put a collage together of a whole bunch of listeners out there slaying bucks with a WLP engraved broadhead. So really excited to be able to do that for you guys as well, bring you guys savings um, on all their broadheads. Next, we've got Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, same things going on with them, guys. A whole bunch of brand new stuff coming down the pipe. The brand new A5 just dropped. Um, they got another SD card coming out, camera coming out. They got a new solar panel coming out. They got uh, the app, the Exodus uh, app coming out. That's going to be able to do some hella savings on the data plan. Um, that's going to be really cool and going to save a lot of people some money um, on the limited plans that they're going to offer. And uh, really excited news from Exodus. And then I got the okay for the whole entire year for everything on their site. You use code WL. It's going to save you 10% at checkout. So, um, you know, you buy a couple trail cams, that's, you know, $35, $40 worth of savings. Um, so that's some, some huge savings that I'm going to be able to offer out to you guys. Um, uh, if you guys want to support the show, support the content in any way, that is the best way to do it, especially if you're already buying heads or you're buying trail cameras. If you use my code, that is the best way to show show love to the show um, and the content that I create create for free every single week um, and get out there. Um, I do have some more news I'm going to throw at the end of this that I'm cool. I'm excited about bringing you guys even more content uh, than I normally do. Um, but uh, getting into the last one, that's the first form challenge of the week, um, guys. This week, I'm challenging you guys. Um, I want you to do the mailbox. Um, if you guys have been wanting to get out, the weather's nice. You don't have an excuse now. It's warming up um, for most of the states. Want you to do the mailbox challenge. You want to go on a walk. Um, you know, maybe you're just starting out. Your your cardio's low. Try to try to go ten mailboxes. Um, you know, if um, if you if you can't, try to do five. If you're good, try to do fifty. Um, and then send me, send me, you know, that's walking past the mailbox, count the mailboxes. How many mailboxes can you do on this run or this walk? Um, maybe with your family, without your family. Um, and then message me, you know, how many mailboxes did you get? I want, I want to see the messages. Um, uh, hold yourself accountable and uh, I'm going to do the same as well. I'm going to go on a run with my boy this week. Um, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, it's going to be really nice on Thursday. And, uh, we're going to see how many mailboxes we can do and I'll be posting that up. Um, I'm going to start doing the challenges and I've been doing the, doing the challenges. I'm going to start sharing the challenges weekly with you guys, what I do, what I'm feeling about it and how it made an impact on me. And I hope you guys can do as well. And we can kind of really get some motivational, um, grooves going out there with these challenges to impact lives. Cause that's the main thing, man. We're out here trying to impact lives, um, and, uh, get the, the physical, mental, um, strength back up for dudes and and uh get you back into the peak where you're feeling good and doing your thing and uh that's where i want you to be because that, that's where i'm at man I, I i want you to be there with me and uh i just want you to be the absolute best you can be um and uh, if, if i can get you there help you out in any way i want to do that if you do have any questions of uh, fitness um supplements what i do recipes um, the, the main thing guys that I just want to shout out is, uh, the core, like the core thing that you can do. It's not even supplement based, anything like that. It's movement, water, 
rest, recovery, um, protein. So be conscious of how much protein you're taking in, drink your water, and get some movement. I mean, that's that's about it, and get your rest. That's about the, that's the best you can do, man. You can really make an improvement in your life. Do that for three, four weeks. See the improvement that it's going to do, and then, you know, if you want to get into the gym or, uh, you know, start taking some supplements or whatever you want to do, then reach out to me when you feel a little bit more comfortable about it. But I guarantee you, you do those four things, you're going to see a huge impact in your life and feel better every single day. Stuff's going to be easier. You're going to be able to move more. Um, and, you know, I get a lot of messages. It's people are ashamed of, to go to the gym or they don't think they're ready for the gym or they don't think they're ready to do this or do that. You're never going to be ready unless you start. Um, so the call out is, you know, if you haven't started and you're on the fence about it, do the mailbox challenge. Let me know how many mailboxes you go past and I'm going to do the same. Um, I think that wraps it up. Oh, one more thing I forgot to guys. So starting something cool this week. Wednesday will be the live episode that you guys come to come to every week with new content. Like I said, I got some really cool content staged up, but I'm also going to be releasing a second episode every week on Thursday, a throwback Thursday. I went back in the archives and I'm going to release an episode every single week. One of my favorite episodes might have a special guest appearance by homie, my old co-host might just be me. I'm going to redo a new intro on it, um, reassociate the podcast, talk kind of about why I chose it, and then we're going to release it again and give you guys even more content. Um, and this is content from maybe five years ago that I recorded. Um, so um, it's going to be cool to go back in the archive and me experience these episodes as well as new listeners and old old listeners um, grow and learn from these and kind of see the changes of what I'm saying compared to what what I'm doing now it's going to be really cool so that'll be coming out tomorrow so be ready for that um, more work on my end but very well worth it to give you guys more content um, and um, this year I'm going to quote my good friend Garrett um, from Last Breath and, and say uh, don't waste it that's my slogan for this year I'm going all in on content uh, motivating as many people as I can for a full year going all in on social, um, giving you as many podcasts as I can do, traveling for some podcasts, getting on some new guests, really hitting it hard during season, and uh, and trying to really give you guys my all this year because I felt like I kind of slacked a little bit last year with what I had going on, and uh, I can do better, and I'm going to do better. So here we go. Let's get into the episode with Alex. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, we got my good buddy and returning guest from way back in the day when um, cracking beers, sitting on the couch with the gigantic uh, Buck story. Um, Alex, how you doing tonight, brother? Good, man. How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It's been a while. Um, got to do a little business before the pleasure talk. This We're getting into the pleasure talk now for the listeners. But, uh, man, appreciate the friendship over the years. Um, you know, got to, got to meet you a couple times, which is actually cool. That's one thing you talk to people in the hunting industry and have friends, but you don't hardly ever get to meet each other. You know, it's like, it's like, damn, I felt like I met you a hundred times, but you know, only a few times and a lot of guys I had never met still. So, um, appreciate the friendship over the years and coming on to my show. I mean, you guys were early in the show too. Um, so having some faith, you know, coming on the show and, uh, giving us some content way, way back in the day, like 
five years ago, you know, four and a half years ago. Yeah, a little question for you. What was the last uh, episode I was on? Oh, the last one. <sighs> I'm not sure, man. I think it was 58. Yeah, I think it was, like I said, I know, I couldn't remember. I know I've had Matt on um, in that time a couple times. Um, but I don't, Me I and think, him did one together. Yeah. Like the first one, I think that was in like the 30s. And yeah. then I did one separate that was like 58-ish. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, man, you guys are number 30. Um, I was looking, I was looking today. I have like, my episode numbers are off. Um, and, uh. You know, the way Homie was doing it was like, yeah, this was the episode, and the Legend of the Woods were a different thing, um, and then the Rutcation podcast were a different thing. Um, so I think I have 389 episodes total um, right now, um, but the numbers are like 60 off. You know, they're, 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 they're not, <laughs> but 30 is early, you know. So, I mean, we were just kind of, we probably had hella technical difficulties getting you guys on. No, I had technical <laughs> difficulties tonight, you know, 300 in. Um, it never stops. But, uh, I, like I said, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and, and sharing your story. I, I watched the video, but, you know, the video just shows little bits of what actually happened. And I know it was kind of a, a grinder of a, of a hunt. Um, so I'm kind of excited to get into it and hear it. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, do a brief introduction of who you are and kind of what you do, and then we'll get into the show. Uh, my name is Al Sadalski. I am from Memphis, Michigan. Uh, during the day, I'm a title examiner. By night, I work for Rec Broadheads, kind of handling their sponsorship program. Um, just been a bow hunter my whole life. Really only love to chase whitetail deer. I will turkey hunt a little bit in the spring, but I am just obsessed with whitetails with a bow. Nice. Yeah, we got to talk a little wreck business before this um pretty exciting news gonna be coming down the pipe um for me and for the listeners um but that's not the reason we got you on right now uh we got you on um not only did you kill a killer buck last year but you've been killing bucks you know year after year after year you've had a pretty damn good run um and not you know you're always on giants too like you're not just killing solid bucks you're in the game on mega giants you know and uh um, congrats to that dude. And that, that North Dakota has been pretty good to you guys over the years. <laughs> I appreciate that. This one was my buck this year was Iowa. Matt, yeah. uh, shot his in North Dakota. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this year was definitely, it was something It I took me eight years. I finally got my Iowa tag. Um, so it was a long time in the making. Yeah, man, I was, I had, uh, this an episode last week about you know the laws and what what they're trying to do in iowa with the outfitters and stuff and that was blowing me away when he was telling me kind of what they had going on over there and i was like damn those you know outfitters trying to get special tags that they can sell to people so people can come hunt every year and landowners trying to party hunt and i'm like the law is the way it is for a reason let's not ruin it you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that place is amazing for a reason, and people just keep trying to change it so to make money off of it, which yeah, is a shame. It is a shame, but all right, let's get into the, let's get into your uh, your Iowa Buck story, man. You're you're in the 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 land of the giants, as they say. So let's hear. So yeah, this story really started eight years ago. I was applying, and I knew, hearing everything of how good Iowa was, I knew I wanted the full year to focus just directly on Iowa. That was the only state I wanted to focus on. I was putting pretty much all my chips in that basket. And 
talking to my good buddy Matt, who is the owner of Rec Broadheads, um, last I think it was February. I was kind of frustrated. I was hunting in Southern Ohio the past, I think, eight, nine years. And I was kind of frustrated there a little bit. And he's, we kind of joked around about going to Iowa to shed hunt. And a few days later, I was like, hey, were you serious? Could you really go that weekend? He's like, I think I can pull it off. So a couple of weeks later, we went to Iowa. I was like, all right, this is the year I'm going to draw. Um, went out there first weekend in March. And I really wanted to just go check out um, some different zones check out some public. He did have one buddy that said he might have a piece of private I could check out. Um, so really, I just want to get out there and see the ground. I really love my favorite time to scout is during shed season, during the winter time, when everything's dead, I think you can see everything. You have no problem going to push into bedding areas. You're not really worried about spooking deer. So I thought it was the best time to get out there and uh, do a little scouting. So that was the first trip we made out there. Um, and so, yeah, we went out there. I uh, started checking out some public land in zone five and we actually I brought some trail cameras with me and we actually set up a trail a couple trail cameras in on some public land in zone five and then later on that day we got a hold of Matt's buddy who was in a different zone and he's like yeah I have a 160 acre CRP um, piece of property that you can probably bow hunt if you want so we went and uh, met up with him and his actually his dad's property was like adjacent to it so he's like yeah it's back there he kind of showed us how to go in and look at it and matt and i are kind of looking at it and we're like man this is it it's a hundred it's 160 acre just perfectly square crp with a little tree line and ditch through and i'm like it's really more shotgun hunting property than bow hunting um but there definitely was some deer sign there so the next morning we decided to go back to that public land pull all the trail cameras that we hung the day before and then brought them back to this piece of private ground um set up a couple sale cameras uh we put out minerals in one site which in iowa you can put out minerals in the off season you just can't hunt over them so i kind of just started a mineral site early just to try to attract some deer in because it was really at that time of year there was no food in the, the crops around so there wasn't really many deer there so i was just trying to pull something in and actually, a few weeks later, got a picture of a decent little 100-inch eight-pointer. So showed me that there was at least some bucks on the property. And while we were hanging the one camera, Matt actually found like a 75-inch uh, five-by-side shed. So nice. that definitely got us fired up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that that get you get you where you're like, oh, maybe there is something in this grass. Grass is yeah. a weird thing. It's like they're either there or there ain't nothing living on there. It's like, it's so weird. It's feast or famine when you get into some of those properties like that. And it's, it's totally different than what I'm used to hunting. I've been hunting, like I said, uh, in Southern Ohio for eight, nine years, which is huge hills, solid timber, no ag. Now you throw me out to somewhere that's solid ag in the CRP field. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing out here. I don't really know what's <laughs> going on, man. I'm trying. Well, honestly, the best thing we did was I brought my drone with us the first trip and we flew the drone over the whole property. And being that time of the year, everything's dead. You can really see all the deer runs through the CRP and kind of see how they're using the property. So that was something that really helped out later on in the season. Yeah, I could see that being pretty, pretty handy. Um, getting a, you know, looking at a map is great, but uh, I've always wanted to like get in a plane and be able to like fly over just to kind of see how the properties connect with the lay of the land from the top. So I feel like you'd be like, oh, shit, I've really never really noticed that. 
or you know, mm-hmm. um, just because when you're, I don't know if you ever flew in a small plane or a helicopter when you're up there, you can really get an idea of what the ground looks like. Um, so I've always like, you know, drone you can do it a little bit, but man, with your eyes, you can really soak in long distances. So, but yeah, that definitely, yeah, honestly, definitely help you out. Yeah, the drone it helped more than I thought because we took the video and then honestly, I didn't for a couple months. I didn't even think to go back and look at it. And when I did, I was like, wow, I can really see it laid it out in the property pretty much like a roadmap. And basically this property was just a big bedding area. It was in the center of the section. Like I said, 160 acres of just CRP and everything around it was crops. A couple of the fields had cattle in it. But other than that, they, the deer just came back down this property and were bedding there. So I knew that was going to be a little tricky as well. We only had access from the north and we had to basically walk through a farm lane, through one of the crop fields to get even, it was like half mile, even into the core of the property. So I, access was gonna be tough, I knew that. Um, but definitely knew there was gonna be deer there and he showed me some pictures of deer that they killed in years past with shotguns and they killed some studs. So I'm like, all right, there's definitely should be something here. Um, so pretty much sat back and watched the trail cameras, which again, it was March, April into May, you're not seeing any bucks really, but just kind of getting an idea of how many deer are there, what's there. There was more wildlife I think I've seen there than any other state I've ever hunted. Uh, that place was overrun with pheasants. <laughs> if I was a pheasant hunter, I'd go back there for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really, I got, I walked out. I like, I hunt out of state a lot. Being from Michigan, we don't have the biggest, most mature bucks here so i hunt out say a lot so i kind of know how to get my trail cameras and cell cameras to last a long time so i knew i could probably get my trail cameras to last into july when i'd start to be able to tell which bucks are pretty decent which ones aren't um and which they did so we were able to pick up one shooter that was a big six by six we actually got a picture of him in the end of may when he was just starting growing but he had a kicker that comes off his right side brow time and so we could either could tell him from there and then got picture of him when he was more developed and yeah he was just a stud six by six who was really narrow and the funny thing is when we got the picture of him he's probably 85 90 inches at this time and um talking to matt about it he's like man that deer could probably go like 165 inches when he's done and i'm like man this deer's probably he might go like 150 but i'm like 165 would be cool <laughs> So um, after that, Matt and I ran back out to Iowa in the first weekend in July. And basically that was when we started throwing out more cameras, um, shifted some cameras around on the piece of private and uh, actually went to another piece of public that was nearby and got a, a cell camera set up. And that was, walked out, that was our July trip, which normally those trips are like 100 degrees. That was like a huge cold front in Iowa that weekend, and it was only like 70 degrees. So it made doing the work awesome. And then the next morning after all the trail cameras out, it was insane the amount of deer we had on camera. From that night to the next morning, I think we had somewhere in the range of 18 different bucks. The next morning of getting all of our trail cameras out, and there was like five cell cameras. Like, it, that state is just absolutely insane. <laughs> Went on fire, huh? And the next morning, um, that six by six, we got on my camera, same camera again. That camera actually, the day after we got the first picture of that, the very beginning of July, that camera died. 
And then so once we were back out there a couple of days later, got new batteries and it got his picture the next day. Well, I didn't know at the time that camera died kind of in a strange way. Well, when I put new batteries in it, it was kind of corroded at the bottom. So I cleaned it off, put it back in. Anyways, we finished up that trip driving home. The cameras are just going nuts and we are just coming out of our skin, just excited about this. Well, we had another huge storm come through Iowa and that camera died. Like I get the email and it's like your camera your camera battery's dead. I'm like, I just put brand new lithium batteries in it two days ago. Why is this camera dead? Um, so that was a little unsettling because that was the camera we were getting this six by six on. I was hoping to keep track of them, but without that camera, really didn't get to see him again for another four or five weeks. But we had a bunch of other good bucks on the property. Uh, had a really nice eight pointer. That was probably going to be 150-ish, but definitely a solid old mature deer. And then it was the end of August. All of a sudden, we get a trail camera picture. And I have Matt. Um, he's tagged into my reveal cell camera so he can see him as well. And we get a picture of a deer, and he's a little bit further away in this gap. But I'm like, this could be the first 200-inch deer I've ever got a picture of. <laughs> this oh, yeah, thing yeah. just looked absolutely huge, and we're freaking out. We're like, who is this deer? Where did he come from? And again, it's a blurry picture. I had to. I was waiting for the HD picture to come in. I'm like, that might be that six by six. And we're again, we can't tell because the picture wasn't great. But as soon as the HD picture came in, it was him. And this deer just absolutely blew up in five weeks. Like he added a hundred inches in five weeks. Um, just an absolute slammer of a deer. So. All the focus kind of went on this deer. Um, and after that, he started showing up on camera almost every single day, just in a natural gap that was in the tree line that we had the camera on. I made a little mock scrape, which he didn't, I made this mock scrape in early July. So he didn't really start hitting that until the end of August into September. But yeah, one of the most consistent deer I've ever had on camera. And I said, because I had so many pictures, I sent him to a buddy who's a scorer. And I was like, where do you think he goes? And he's like, he'll, he'll score 186. And I'm like, well, a lot more than I thought he was going to score. <laughs> <laughs> because he's so narrow. He's only, um, he looked like he was like 15 inches outside spread. But he's just got wall of times. Like he's got 10, 11 inch times. And his G5s were like nine and seven inches. And so this deer is definitely a stud. But he looked like a younger deer. All year long, I'm like, Matt, this deer might not be a three-year-old because I really don't want to shoot a three-year-old. Like, my goal as a bow hunter, especially out of state, is a four-and-a-half-year-old or better. Um, that's really what I strive for. So going into September, again, I got this deer on camera almost every single day. And to the point, it's freaking me out because I've never had a deer on camera so much. And I'm like, this deer's just going to disappear on me or something. Like, he's really, just, the nerves are settling in. And I was starting to get EHD. And I'm starting to hear from more people. I'm seeing YouTube videos on people finding EHD deer. And I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, please don't die to EHD. So in that September time frame, I had another stud show up. Um, he was a mainframe 10-pointer with double splits or double kickers off his brow tine. And he was probably high 160s, 70s deer. So he was definitely a really nice deer. And he honestly, he looked to be about a year older, a lot bigger body on him. Um, so we're already kind of going into season's about to start. We got two really solid shooters. 
and just super excited. And I'm really not one – I've not had much luck early season. Um, and being with Iowa being 10 hours away from me, I knew I only had a few trips I could make there during the season, so I really wanted to try to put them towards, like, the end of October and into November. I felt like I just had a better chance at that time frame than early season. And we get into October, and we're still getting pictures of these deer, both these bucks, all the time. They're hanging out together still, which is pretty weird because they're out of velvet, um, just two slammers. And then all of a sudden, October 15th hits, and I stopped getting pictures of the big 6x6, six six, which we dubbed the name Vendetta. And, again, this deer has been on the property pretty much. I know him since May. Um, I have a feeling he just went kind of – went to look for that first doe but he'll come back to the farm um as that's going on i'm still getting pictures of the other buck that i nicknamed him junior the like 170 ish 10 pointer so i'm still getting pictures of him constantly so i'm like all right he's still there but i'm like where did vendetta go and i actually had a buddy said he's like that deer's dead like there's no way he's been off your camera that long since he's there all that time. I'm like, dude, there's no way he's dead. I'm like, don't tell me that. I'm like, you're a bad friend for telling me that my number one shooter's dead. Like, yeah, not only, why not are only you number doing one, that to me? Yeah, an absolute mega giant, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I had plans to go out there, out back out to Iowa the end of October for – I like to do a, a quick trip before my rut trip, just kind of adjust cameras, get them all on scrapes, um, try to get a couple stands up if I can. Matt wasn't able to go. He was in North Dakota at the time. Um, so I went out there by myself for, I think I was out there for three, four days. And first day it was that, I don't know if you remember, there was a gnarly cold front that came through at the yeah. very end of October, like right before Halloween. So I was out there during that front, like the first day was just pouring rain. I was out just running cameras and shifting everything, which I thought was perfect because just rain washed all my scent down. The deer weren't really doing much that day. Um, so, yeah, really got everything shifted on that farm. Went out to the public land, pulled that camera. Um, wasn't too much going on out there. So went back and I finally got in a tree in Iowa for the first time and you want to talk about pregame jitters oh boy <laughs> like, yeah. I'm glad I didn't see anything good or close that night because there ain't no way I was gonna stop shaking <laughs> like the pregame jitters were so strong that night but man after eight years of playing being in Iowa for the first time like it was just a surreal feeling um so that trip like it was just kind of more of a scouting trip but the the Saturday morning, I had to leave on Sunday, so hunting Saturday morning, that was when that front kind of started chilling out. The wind was dying down. Um, I got in the stand Saturday morning over by the camera that I was getting pictures of Vendetta before it died from the monsoon. Um, so I went in that stand, and I had a little buck come in, and he kind of worked his way off. And I actually, just being at the end of October, the weather was cool that morning. I hit the current call a couple of times, and all of a sudden, that 170 is 10 pointer starts he comes around the knoll and starts coming right at me and i'm like oh boy we're gonna get this done real quick in iowa and i need this deer he's coming at me and if he turns right he's dead deer if he turns left the only spot in this stand i can't shoot is directly behind me and what does he do he turns left and walks directly behind me at 25 yards and i have no shot at him 
absolutely no shot through there was just this thick branch on this like willow that hung over and hung down and there's nothing i could do and i just had to basically watch him walk off and he walked off a little bit and i tried to grunt again to see if i could maybe pull him down into the bottle a little bit more to get him where i could get a shot and he ended up just kind of bounding off a little bit but he wasn't spooked he jumped put this tail and walked off but i was like I haven't had a deer that big in front of me at 25 yards where I couldn't shoot him. <laughs> I was like, that kind of tore me up a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I know like being Iowa, like I really wanted to be there in November. Like I was really upset not being able to shoot that deer that morning, but I really wanted to see what Iowa had to offer in November. Um, so had to go back home. We went home on Sunday. I think it was like the 29th. And I was turning right back around the next Friday and heading back to Iowa with Matt for nine days. And so that was the big trip. We actually, through Rec Rodheads, they sponsor uh, HuntWorks TV show, which is with Greg Glessinger from, he used to be on the juries. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was Rec sponsors uh, his show. So he was gracious enough. And he's like, hey, you guys can stay with me for the week. So we got to stay at Greg's house for the week, which was super cool. That guy's place is absolutely a hunter's paradise or hunter's dream. Like, it's perfect. <laughs> the barn set up, the tractors, the the house, like everything is just top notch. Like it was, it was so great of him to let us stay there. Like honestly, it saved me a bunch of money on a hotel. And living out of a hotel for a week hunting, if anyone else has done it, you know it's not yeah. the most fun. Not ideal. So being able to – yeah, exactly. So being able to have – and Greg's house was only like 25 minutes from the piece of property that I had. So it was it was too perfect. Um, so, yeah, we headed – we left work early on a Friday, drove all the way out there. I think we got to Greg's at like 1 o'clock in the morning. And Greg's grace enough, just tells us pull right in the garage, shut the truck off, kind of shows us around. And again, this place is beautiful. And he actually killed a Missouri buck that Friday morning. Um, it was a beautiful, like 169 inch deer, I believe. And they have a little uh, superstition that when they kill a buck the next morning, they go out and get pancakes. <laughs> and so it's like two in the morning at this point. He's like, if you guys want to go hunt, I understand. But he goes, if you guys do sleep in, he goes, we got to do some picture stuff. But we're going to go get pancakes in the morning. You guys are welcome to come. So, honestly, I set my alarm to go hunt the next morning. But it went off like an hour and a half after we went to bed. So, I was like, <laughs> dude, let's just get a couple more hours of sleep. Let's start this week off right not dragging ass mm -hmm. i'm like let's go get breakfast with greg let's just enjoy this a little bit get to meet him a little bit more um also casey morgan was there so got to hang out with him and then pretty much after breakfast was done i was like all right bud we're hunting until we kill one or we gotta go home <laughs> and that was when the week got pretty long <laughs> <laughs> so honestly the first night was amazing and this is where the story of the deer vendetta gets a little crazy so the week i was out there prior like i said i got a couple stands hung and um matt was being my camera guy for the week he didn't have a tag but he was just wanting to film this hunt he loves iowa so he truly helped me out this whole trip this all year long um like iowa is his baby so he was a huge help um but we go out to hunt this stand over by where i was getting pictures of him uh vendetta in the summer 
And again, this property is it's pretty much solid bedding, so it's really hard to get in and out without bumping anything. And we got almost all the way into the tree, almost all the way to the tree, and we're like 40 yards from the stand. And I'm, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, we kind of got in clean. And it wasn't a few seconds after I thought that all of a sudden the deer gets up and just takes off. And you could tell it was like a big deer. It just took a while for the deer to get up and made a lot of noise. And I only saw a glimpse of it, but Matt, when I turned around, Matt looked like he saw a ghost. And he's like, dude, that was Vendetta. He goes, 100%, that was Vendetta. And again, we haven't seen this deer in over two weeks now. And we just kicked him up 40 yards from the damn tree stand. And a whole lot of mixed emotions at that point. Like, I was really mad that we just kicked him up right there. But at the same time, like, we didn't have a picture of him. So I was super jacked that he was there. He's still alive. And we got eight more days to hunt this deer. So I'm like, it's game on. So we get into the tree, uh, had to do a little trimming to get rid of that branch where I couldn't shoot that buck from the week prior. Um, got that out of the way. And it was pretty, it was a decent evening. Um, a couple of deer moved early. And then on the other side of the farm where we had the other tree stand set up, we got a picture of a new tent that we just got a picture of a couple of days before. And this deer is, at the time, we thought he was 70s to 80s, but post-season, now that I know he got shot with a shotgun, he was closer to 200 inches. So you think about that, we just killed up, a, or we just kicked up a mid-180s deer in front of the tree stand. We have another deer that's in the 190s on the other side of the farm, and then the deer, the other 170s, steps out with a couple does about 200 yards away. So basically, all three of our biggest bucks we just laid eyes on like the first night Damn. and matt and i are kind of like dude this might be a quick trip <laughs> like we just saw all these studs in one night and after that then yeah the weather kind of started getting warm and that's when the grind started <laughs> it was not easy we were up every day at 3 30 in the morning hunted every single morning um there was a couple days we were seeing deer, we were seeing bucks, just we weren't seeing the big boys that we were looking for. Um, so we just kept grinding out. We tried to play it as smart as possible. There was one night we even took a night off and we honestly just went and sat up on one of the hilltops and just scouted. The wind wasn't great, it was warm, but we wanted to just still try to get as much scouting in, as much hunting time as possible because I only had like that that week. and like I put eight years into one week. Like we were giving it everything yeah. we could while we were there. Yeah. And so we started, uh, the next day we shifted to the other side of the farm where we got that picture of that during daylight, that really big new buck. And that day we hunted almost all day. We jot down the ship to stands quickly. But then that afternoon we got a picture of a deer on the other side of the farm going through that gap where I was always getting pictures of Vendetta. And to me, it was like two in the afternoon, so it was sunny. And the deer looked really small. Like it kind of looked like the deer had a rack on its head, but the deer looked like it looked like a doe. And I kind of overlooked the picture. I was like, oh, it's just a doe. And then Matt's like, did you see that buck over there? I'm like, are you sure that the buck? Because I really don't see horns on it. And I went back, and after that, I HD'd the picture. A couple hours later, I get the, the HD picture, and it was a picture of Vendetta. And I'm like, why does he look like a doe? Like he's had no, and it's November the 5th. He had no neck to him. Like really, like you can almost see his spine. His, his, uh, his ass end was super small. I'm like, dude, what, why is he so small? 
And I was like, maybe it was just a freak angle or the sun glare or something, but yeah, it looked really weird. So continue hunting that week. Um, and again, still seeing deer, just nothing great. We ended up bouncing back to that corner where we got the picture of daylight a couple days prior. Um, didn't see him, but we're walking out that night and on the opposite side of the farm on the west side where we had to cross the ditch. I smelled a dead deer, and now again, Iowa had EHD pretty bad this year. I found a dead doe earlier in the week, and then I found a dead young 100, probably 45, 150-inch 10-pointer um, that I had a camera in the summer. It looked like he died from EHD, but he was so tore up that there wasn't much left of him. Um, so, yeah, we smelled this dead deer walking out, and it's in the dark, so I wasn't going to be poking around trying to look for him. So ended up walking out again, not getting any pictures of them dead anymore. Um, we're getting pictures of the one buck that we nicknamed Junior. Um, so we're still grinding, going after him, and it came down to the last day. <laughs> I was like, man, I really don't want to eat this tag, but we had it was Saturday, we had to leave, go home Sunday morning. Um, we ended up on Friday. Matt got me to make a move. He goes, let's get into the center's property a little bit more. Early in the week, we dove into the center, but like we weren't seeing much sign in there, which we knew the deer were going in there, and that's kind of where we thought we were betting, so we weren't trying to push too far in there, which, again, this whole property was betting for him. Um, but, yeah, so we ended up making a move on the second to last day. We moved a tree stand, pulled the set, moved it into the middle of this property, basically just – throwing a Hail Mary at it. We sat at that night. I think we saw a couple of does and we're like, all right, this is where we're going. We're going to sit here all day long on our last day and nothing happens at dark. Matt's going to one side of the farm to pull us. the tree stands on there and the camera's on there. I'm going to go to the other side and pull everything down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard when but, you're in those properties and you don't know, like a deer could literally bed anywhere. A doe could sit down and bed anywhere. Um, I got and, one, of, one of my best properties is like that. And you're like, if I, I've literally walked in, hung a set and there's bucks on does like out in front of me. I'm like, holy shit. Um, it's just tough to, to, uh, to get in, um, real, like I think the 10th or 12th of October I went in and I was like, man, I'm gonna, I got this buck damn near pegged. I'm like, I think he's, you know, he's going through this trail camera every other day. Um, the wind's right for when he's been hitting this trail camera. I'm like, I know where he's bedding. Like, I got a really good idea. I'm like, I'm going to slip down the cedar tree and get in and uh, don't have a tree stand hung there. You know, that's half the battle when you're hunting a property like this. So I slipped down the cedar tree line, and I was in the tree like two or three years ago. So it was kind of cut out. Um, but I get in the tree, um, get the stand hung, pull my backpack up, um, hook my backpack up, reach down to pull my bow up, lift my head up, and he's 25 yards standing behind a brush, little brush right in that CRP, bedded right oh, there. Man. I was like, I got within 30 yards of you, hung a stand, and then you stood up and seen me pull my bow up. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that was what – the, the crazy things I noticed there was too was when we would spook deer, like we would almost step on them. Yeah. Like it was it wasn't we were kicking up fifty yards away from them. We would be within fifteen yeah. yards and all of a sudden they'd pop up and go. And 
And that was a problem that one time when we were out there in July, I kind of got a real false sense of hope of we went out there in the morning to do the work and saw these bucks go back to bed right in the center. So from there, I'm like, all right, these deer bed in the center, just work on the edges. And that's how we got to do everything, keep our wind out of the center of the property. That's where they bed. And I think they did for the summertime. But once fall hit, that's I, once I think they just started spreading out and bedding all over the property. And that was when it was just like, you're just throwing a needle in a haystack on where I go yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. That that deer that I ju- jumped up was probably, I shit you not, it's probably 26 inches wide. Maybe 27. Oh, wow. Yeah, just ridiculously looking. <laughs> was, I was like, 30 more seconds. I would have had my bow in my hand, and I would turn around, and he'd been standing there, and I could have shot him. But oh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That, you know, that close, it just... I was probably making a little bit too much movement, swinging the backpack around, hanging it up, you know, screwing a hook in, pulling the bow up now. Um, and, you know, that comes to a point where if you didn't have all this filming shit in your backpack, you wouldn't need a backpack on a hunt like that. And you could just yep. <laughs> go in. So um, it's like, man, you know, having a – because you guys are trying to do it with two guys as well. You know, move around this property, be sneaky with two guys. That's tough, man. Yeah, and especially that was the thing. Trees in Iowa, like I could have got one tree stand in them, no problem. But getting the second cameraman tree stand, in, tree stand in it, that's gonna be straight and level. Forget it. Every yeah, tree, yeah. one of us was hanging off the side. Like <laughs> it was just sketch city because every tree straight to the first ten feet, and then all of a sudden it hooks out and like bends backwards. I'm like, it's like that CRP what is man. With it's like this? once the tree gets above the CRP level, then it starts growing all messed up. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same thing I deal with around here. It's like junk trees because it's not old. You know, there's no really old timber on it um, to where you can get into like a big oak or something. But right when they get out of the CRP, they start growing wide instead of up. And it's just a disaster to try to get into. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and you can't hang low because the, the the hills and the elevation goes up a little bit. So if you hang low, they're at eye level with you if they're at 15 yeah. yards. So, yeah. yeah, it was definitely – that was something super tricky was getting two tree stands in. <laughs> Trees there when – I want to tell you out of 160 acres, I think I only had – maybe like seven trees total to get a tree stand in. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, so, another, that's another thing I deal it. with all the time, man. It's like, I know where I need to be, but, like, I can't – there's nothing to be there. Like, I can't – you know, there's there's a little bitty tree and be like, all right, seven years I might be able to get in that spot when that tree grows, mm-hmm. you know. But right now I can't get there. But um, I actually have sticks hung in one area, and I just left the sticks on public. Um because I was like, one, it might deter people from hunting these. Because if I can deter deter people from hunting two trees, three trees, I literally have like the sixty acres to myself. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah, it's <laughs> like you know. Um, but maybe I'm opting people to hang there now. You know, but if you do, if you listen to this and you're gonna hang, you might want to put some new straps on those things because they've been in, they've been out there for a while. <laughs> Don't trust them, man. <clears throat> But once you once you go that deep with the sticks, I'm like, all right, I'm committing these to this area. Um, and then I was like stashing them out there, mm-hmm. and then I was like, man, I'm just gonna leave them in the tree. Um, and uh, didn't you know I, I used like the pull straps so the tree can like grow, you know, mm-hmm. but not like not ratchet straps, you know. So I wouldn't trust him if he went out there. He might want to throw a ratchet strap if you're gonna hunt out there. But in my mind, I'm always like, 
by getting a pinch. I know where there's some sticks. Sticks and straps up <laughs> me. I can get it. I can get into something pretty quick. Um, so that's half the game plan for next year is um, go back to kind of my uh, the fun days of just be bopping around and stop being so serious out there. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh, let's finish up the last day there. So, but yeah, we get into the last morning and I, the weather isn't great. It was cold, but it was starting to get like a super kind of a weird windy kick and but started seeing deer pretty much right off the bat again we are pretty much in the dead center of this piece of property um there was one tree that luckily was in the center that kind of split three ways so we were able to have me facing towards the east and the mat was completely facing towards the west um but i felt like we had enough cover up there and then there were some little scrub trees but there again there's nothing else that we could really get a stand in and being in the center, I had pretty decent shots. Um, both out front was great, and then to left and right was pretty decent. Uh, we had we've had and had a nice 120 inch eight point that we actually saw a bunch that week. Uh, had him at 40 yards early in the morning, and just that wasn't a deer. I was going to shoot on the last day, which I was texting the buddy who gave us permission. He's like, "Dude, just shoot him." He goes, "I just <laughs> want to see you kill something." Yeah. I'm like. Dude, to me, I'm like, if I go home empty-handed, I still know it was a great week. Like, I really wasn't trying to kill a two-year-old out there. Like, I'll eat a tag before we get to kill a two-year-old. Um, so, saw some more deer. Then all of a sudden, it was uh, almost 9 o'clock. Matt's like, he whispers, he's like, Alex, there's a big buck over here. He's like, he's a big body. I can't fully tell what he is. But I look to our south, and this deer is just, he's cruising, and he's headed directly east. And like I said, the wind was picked up that morning. And I'm like, I'm going to try to grunt at him, but I don't even know if he's going to hear it. So I tried to smack the grunt call as loud as I could, and it just squealed. Like, it squealed so bad. Matt's like, he turns around and goes, that's not going to work. <laughs> start laughing for a minute. I'm like, hold on. And I like, cleared my throat, and I hit it again. And I got it to be a normal grunt. And he got his attention. And I hit it one more time, and he starts coming, but like, this deer had like a short attention span. Like he like call and he, he was like 175 to 200 yards away and he'd come like 50 yards and then he'd start going back to the East where he was heading out. So I had to like, I had to like keep talking to him and coaxing him in. And then he got to this point where he was at this ditch and I thought I was going to have to shoot my other side ditch. And again, he turns around, starts going back the way he was heading. And I'm like, dude, just come here. And the whole time I never really get to look at him, but I'm like, this deer is solid. Like he's super stocky. He's got a good neck on him. I'm like, his head, like his rack is a little huge, but I'm like, dude, it's been a long week and this deer looks mature. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give him one if I can. So I finally hit the ground call one more time and he crawl, he jumps his bitch and comes in. And early in the year, I got hung out to dry on a doe because I drew too early as she was coming in on me. So he's coming in straight. I'm like, I don't want to draw yet. I don't want to draw. And it was one of those points of, I was like, man, I should have drew. <laughs> Cause yeah. as soon as like, he's coming at me, then all of a sudden he turns broadside. And he's like 18 yards. And I'm like, and he's kind of looking at me and I'm like, man, I wish I had that full draw right now. And I only have like a window of another probably eight yards. He can walk before he gets into some scrub brush where I don't feel confident throwing an arrow through it. Now, maybe I could pick a shot further, but he's looking at me, and I honestly just start drawing back as he's looking at me. And I'm like, we're going for it. I, had, I felt like I had enough cover in this tree, so I drew back, and he kind of like 
looks at me as I'm drawing back and puts his head down and starts walking away. And I absolutely just drilled him right in the shoulder. Um, he ran 40 yards and seriously hit a tree and just piled up. He was dead within 50 yards from the stand. So a week that felt like it took forever, that hunt felt like it ended really, really quick. That's how it normally happens, man. It's either it's there, you know, you're like, there's no way it's going to happen. No way it's going to happen. And then boom, you're like, oh, shit, it, ha- it happened, you know, and it takes a second. It's so crazy the 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 one more day to hunt value during season doesn't seem that big. Um, but then after season, when you're thinking about it, you're like, damn, man, what if I only had, you know, six days to hunt? What if I, you know, mm-hmm. what if I only had seven? Like, it, it's so big um, in the big picture. Just one more day, one more hour um, is huge. So, And you hear all those guys say, your luck can change in five seconds. Yeah, it's, it's just so hard yeah. to believe out there. You're like, man, I ain't seen anything for hours. There ain't nothing out here, you know? Um, but it don't, mm-hmm. it don't take just, like I said, another hour in the stand and your whole entire year is completely different, you know? And then, so this is where the story gets you a little crazier. So, and then we see the deer pile up, Matt and I celebrate up in the tree and we get down, go check him out. Um, call our buddy, Ryan, who gave us permission on the property. And he, this guy was awesome. Like he brought his quad over to his dad's house. So if I needed it, the quad was there, like clean out the barn in case I needed to clean the deer out there. Like this guy was just super awesome. This guy, like he, he's a farmer. He likes to shotgun hunt, but doesn't bow hunt and he just likes to see other people kill deer so i was like this is this is pretty cool so i give him a call and i'm like hey bud i need the quad he's like you need what i'm like i told you i need the quad and i early in the week i was like hey if i call you and i say i need the quad that means i shot one <laughs> so he's like you shoot one i was like yeah he goes we were just texting i was like i know man it happens quick so he's like all right i'll be over there soon so we're matt and i are going over doing some pictures and videos with the deer and just enjoying it and matt goes to the one side of property and starts pulling a couple stands down and ryan comes with the quad so we end up getting the deer off the property and right when we get to about the property line i'm like hey guys i'm like if you just talk i gave matt the keys so i talked him like just toss him in the bed real quick i'm gonna run back and grab the last tree stand and camera so then we can be out of the property for good and then take care of the deer and be done for with everything in there so they take the deer i'm walking back and i'm just man I just killed a buck i'm jacked up <laughs> so i'm like i call my wife again and i'm just talking to her just because i need someone to talk to i'm excited and i'm like you know what i got a little bit of time i'm like let me go look for that deer that i smelled the other day walking out so on the phone with her and i get to like the, the little ditch almost by where we cross and i start walking back and i see the dead deer and it's vendetta <laughs> i'm like so much is going through my mind right now. I'm like, Katie, I gotta call you back. I said some other words I don't want to say on the podcast, but I'm like, I gotta call you back. Um, I'm like, I just found Vendetta dead, and she's like, What? You just saw him the other day alive? I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll call you back. So I walk up to him and I'm looking at him. I'm like, It's 100% him. And I'm like, Dude, he's really small. Like he's the size of a year and a half old dope. I'm like, what happened? So I call Ryan and Matt. I'm like, hey, guys, come here. I found Vendetta. And they're like, no way. So they come down. And Ryan knows uh, the CO for that area really good. So he's like, don't touch them. Don't move them. Um, 
we got to call him. So we're standing over, look at him, took a couple pictures of him and call the CEO. And he's like, I can't get there right now because he was on a stakeout or something like that. But he's like, you can drag him back to your dad's. He goes, take some pictures of him there, drag him back to your dad's. I'll meet you at your dad and give you, uh, give me a tag for him so I can take him home to Michigan. So that I thought that was super cool. Um, but investigating the gear after once we started tying him up to get him dragged out, um, he had, they were just like his guts were opened up down between his legs. And from what I could see, there was a triangular hole super low in his guts. So it looked like somebody shot him with a fixed blade, three blade broadhead, like just bottom of his guts. And it looks like he survived up until that point. Wow. And like he had no backstrap meat on him. I could just grab his spine. Yeah, I remember he the was, pictures, dude. He was like, you could tell it was a fresh kill, but it looked like a zombie. Like if you could picture a zombie as a deer, I mean, that's what exactly that's what it looked like. It's like, and just, so just a massive rack. I mean, just a beautiful dark chocolate, massive buck with on this tiny little zombie deer body. body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and man, like so seeing that kind of putting all in 2020 like all right this deer was shot when we picked him up that's why he didn't really run off when we picked him up by the stand that day that's why he was so small looking like i had a picture of him the next day like it all kind of started making sense probably why um, you never really encountered him too because he probably wasn't moving at all yeah know? he wasn't running yeah he was just trying to survive because you were seeing so, a lot of the other deer and you were thinking man as many pictures as i got of this thing you think i would see him out here you know this is kind of probably his main you know main you know space he's controlling as yep. you know and now he's gone and you're you're like it's always crazy they're like oh bucks travel but man if you got a picture of him last night and you've seen him the day before you're like this deer's here somewhere you know the whole time yeah. you're out there hunting you know yeah that was that was just like man i'm like that even to me i just couldn't camp behind it. i'm like we just saw him alive like how is he laying here dead right now well, yeah, so Ryan took him back to his dad's house. Well, Matt and I took my deer back to Greg's to cape him out, process him. Um, so the weird thing was the CO was telling Ryan that he's saying he was an EHD deer. But I'm like, dude, I have the pictures of the broadhead hole in his stomach. Like, I don't think that deer, plus EHD, from what I know, is a quicker kill. Like, it's not going to last that deer weeks like yeah, there's no yeah. way that deer is gonna whittle away to nothing before he dies yeah the trail cam pictures you had of him in the summer and in october he looked good like mm -hmm. big big deer you know big beefy looking buck even in the summertime you know um but like you said the first picture to when you got the full grown picture of like you look at that picture like oh maybe potential of something and then you're like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I could imagine when you guys got, you know, the, the brow tines and the bases, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's decent, you know? Um, <laughs> but then you're like, whoa, okay, holy smokes, we got something serious going on here. Yeah, and that is just, that's the crazy thing. Ryan ended up uh, taping him out while he was waiting for the CO, and he scored him at 187. And looking at this deer compared to mine, it kind of, um, made our thoughts correct that this deer was only three and a half years old at a hundred at, at the time we thought he was 187 i finally scored him a couple weeks ago and i held a really tight take to him and i got 189. yeah so yeah. 189 inch three-year-old yeah, they're gonna grow <laughs> i had a, a guy on here 
um, from Southern Illinois that killed a 178 three-year-old aged, um, you know, just random buck that came through and he killed it and almost 180 typical three-year-old. I'm That's like, just, those yeah, genetics are insane. Yeah. It's just like, man, you get the right mix of the dough and the buck, you know, and it, shit can get wild with food and, you know, just, it's crazy. You look at like what they can do in a farm setting, you know, it's the same creature, you know, as the one in, in the, in the, you know, in the woods, in the wild, you know, he just doesn't have the nutrients, but same genetics, you know, I mean, like you really mm -hmm. can't, there's, there's probably a king of bucks out there genetic wise. If he would get the food that this, the farm deer would get, could get that big, you know, in the wild with the same, the same genetics, but you get the right, the right triangle of good, good stuff. You can get some wild stuff happen. So that doesn't surprise me, especially in Iowa. And it sounds like that farm is kind of low pressure um anyways um and a lot of shooter bucks on there hopefully you guys can make it back out there if you ever get to draw another iowa tag well that is kind of the plan matt might be able to draw this year i believe he's got four points so we're gonna try but so yeah this area there really isn't for bow hunting pressure there's none i was the only person in this whole section bow hunting so that was super cool but i mean the deer again kind of know that too but these guys do um that let us hunt they do party hunt the rule that iowa has and how mm -hmm. iowa didn't have this party hunting rule this state would be insane oh yeah the party they killed rule is just like wild to me but they killed that 200 inch 10 pointer they killed another probably 190 inch deer and then another booner all in that same section wow this year so if you put the one I found, the three they killed, that's four booners, and most of them were in the 189 or 180 to 190s range. Nah, <laughs> and for an area that, if you look at it, you'll be like, no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there might be 150 inch deer here, mm -hmm. but that's it. But yeah, that that state is something else. One day, maybe one day I'll get out there. <laughs> I'm so I, close. I you know, I'm so close. I'm like. But uh, I'm like, I need a, I got giants to chase here, you know? So it's like, uh, you know, but when, when that helps make it being out from Michigan, yeah. we really don't have the giants. Yeah, so now here. I'm sitting back. I'm like, dude, I just want to go to Iowa. Now I can't for another five years yeah, at least. No, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> well, man, but, I, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the story, a, a, a story of good hunting story of everything, you know, some, some struggle, some success, some heartbreak, you know, I mean, it's a good, a good mix of everything. And at least, um, you know, you didn't get to wrap your tag around the buck, but at least you got to bring him home. And like I said, what a beautiful, um, you know, chocolate rack giant to go along with the memory of the other buck that you're able to harvest as well. Um, just what a badass year in Iowa. Yeah, it was honestly, it definitely lived up to the hype. Being able to, that was a lot of people said, you're the only guy who legally gets to take, only non-resident that legally gets to take two bucks home with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, I mean, you made it happen. And like I said, you were, you know, to have the history with the buck, at least be able to share the buck story. I know some people that aren't hunters wouldn't understand that, you know, but give the buck, you know, a, a life after death and uh, and be able to share his story and, you know, have the rack to share not only with your family, but your friends and coming on a podcast and sharing it like this, you know, so better than him lying out there and getting chewed on by coyotes and squirrels and, 
Um, just think about all the dead, just dead giants out there, just slowly rotting and weathering away, white horned, two hundred inches out there laying around. You know they're out there. You know it's just oh like, yeah, damn man, it's crazy. Um, such yeah, a, such a is... rare specimen, you know, of a buck to to be lost like that. Yeah, it was definitely, it was nice to end the story, like you said, not the way I really wanted to do it, but it was nice to get the closure on it. Yeah, for sure. All right, man, well, I appreciate you coming on, dude. No, I appreciate you having me. It's been a while, but I appreciate it, brother. Yeah.